What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Make sure you're following us over there. That's where you get all of our new podcast links, articles, news and notes, polls, every bit of baseball content. That's E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB. Also, be checking out SportsEthos.com. You get everything there right from the source across all of our sports. We got gambling. We got DFS. We got team coverage. We got a ton of stuff there at the website. But I also want to direct you to our YouTube page. Been doing a lot of live shows recently. You guys might have checked out some of those. I appreciate it if you did. We're also doing some stuff that's not live that we're posting after the fact. Some of our team preview shows. Uh, we've got about five baseball podcasts that have been posted on YouTube as well. And I'm going to be doing probably two or three live shows a week in season. Gonna, It might vary week to week depending on my schedule, depending on how busy I am and if I'm able to do a live show. But we're going to be doing at least a couple of those every week in season. So head over to YouTube and go to Sports Ethos. We're just about at 5,000 subs there. Uh, so I'd appreciate you guys checking us out. And there's also a lot of basketball content over there as well. Uh, Dan Bespris hosts our Fantasy NBA Today show. Not every single day live, but on most days he's doing the show live on YouTube. If that's the way you prefer to consume the podcast, uh, we've got both of those going for you. Today we are going to be talking about some news of the last couple of days. Some of it's a couple of days old, some of it is as recent as today. Uh, just kind of catching up after our pods this week. We've kind of been a little bit distracted from what's going on around the league because we did a couple of team previews. We did the Orioles and we did the Braves. We also did a live draft that was yesterday's podcast. So we've been kind of away from the news cycle. Go back and check those shows out if you did miss them. Um, but we are going to be talking about a couple of those things today. And we're going to start off with Marcus Stroman. He is going to the New York Yankees. Two years, $37 million, it looks like, is the deal for Marcus Stroman. Seems pretty reasonable, uh, all things considered. Now, I've never been a huge Stroman fan. I recognize that he's a good pitcher. I just think, overall, I don't really trust him necessarily that much. And that's kind of maybe, I don't know, something about me with strikeouts. I'm just a lot more prone to to like a guy who is going to give you at least league average strikeouts. And Stroman has always been below league average strikeouts, but still has been a very solid pitcher in his career. It's hard to doubt what he has done. He's got a 365 ERA over 1,300 innings. He also has a 360 XFIP and a 363 FIP. So, I mean, it's not like he's been like lucky his whole career. It's hard to be lucky for a whole career. Uh, 389 Sierra as well. It's just kind of been a little bit surprising for him to be this successful for so long uh, with this style. Now, he's a big ground ball pitcher, and I think that will be something that is good going into Yankee Stadium. It's a little more of a, a small park, uh, you know, especially to left-handed batters. There's a big risk of allowing home runs to that short, uh, short porch in right field. But I think this is a fairly good spot. I know um, I, I've, some it's people are kind of mixed on it. I've heard some people say that they're really in on Stroman in New York. Some people are kind of worried about that you know potential home run risk. But Stroman for his career is a .38 home runs per nine innings allowed. That's a really good number. I don't see that being exponentially different in Yankee Stadium. He pitched in the American League East in Toronto for five six years. He had to go through Yankee Stadium you know a couple times a year. And it's something that I don't think was, uh, I don't think he was terrible at Yankee Stadium or anything. It was never uh, something that I remember as a Blue Jay fan, someone who followed the team that Stroman was bad at Yankee Stadium or whatever. I, it's a more home run friendly park, especially to lefties. 
But I don't think that considering the, the amount of ground balls that he's induced in which is for his career, 56.7%. He was 57% last year. I don't see that being something that's a huge worry. Now, his splits last year, first half and second half, are crazy. Uh, the first half of the year. Now, of course, the second half was not a lot of innings. Uh, he did get hurt. He had a broken rib that caused him to miss quite a bit of time. Um, but the first half in 112 innings, it was a 296 ERA. In the 24 innings he threw in the second half, it was an 863 ERA. But I am going to give him a pass there. I don't think he was fully healthy when he was out there. I'm not 100% sure of the timeline, but to have that drastic of a change after you know month to month last year being superb, 229 ERA in April, 287 in May, 217 in June, to have it shoot up like that, I'm going to more so be uh, willing to put that off on the injury and think that Stroman is probably going to be you know, pretty stable. Uh, I think that he's still going to be somebody who's able to give you somewhere around a four, probably a sub four ERA. That's generally what he's done every year. Uh, he had a really bad 2018 where he had a 554, but other than that, you're looking at 395, 350, 302, 322, 309, 437. Uh, you're looking at a very, very consistent career going back for the entirety of it, really. And for the most part, outside of these last two seasons, you're looking at quite a bit of volume. I'm not sure exactly what I'll project for Stroman. Probably about 160 or so innings, 150, 160 innings. I'm going to you know, be a little bit more on the conservative side, considering he has missed some time over the last couple of years. It wasn't just the rib. Uh, in 2022, there was a shoulder injury, and there was also another undisclosed injury that he had in May, uh, just looking back at his history, uh, his injury history. And then he had a leg injury uh, to conclude 2022 as well. So there have been a few injuries, but I'll give him probably 160 innings or so. Strikeouts are not going to be probably there, but I think in Yan uh, pitching for the Yankees, they're going to be a pretty good team this year can probably bank on double-digit wins from Stroman, uh, all things considered. I think the ERA, you know, probably about a 3-8 is what I'd project. 3-7 or 3-8 type of ERA for Stroman. I think he's going to be still a very solid value. I took him in the draft I did the other night. If you guys saw the Gladiator draft, that was before he had signed. I didn't know where he was going to go at that point. But I took a chance. Later on, he's kind of a stabilizer, that kind of format. You want somebody who is generally going to be, or at least, I mean, there's different ways you can draft a gladiator. Um, for those of you who are maybe unfamiliar, you draft the team, 23 rounds on draft night, and then you don't do anything to the team. If guys get hurt, you can't replace them. They are in your lineup. There's no moves at all in season. You can't switch guys around, nothing. You don't set lineups. It's literally like a best ball, pretty much, except it's you're just drafting your roster. There's no bench, nothing. So... That kind of format, for me, I'm more inclined to take safer guys, in my opinion, and Stroman, considering pretty much every single year he's under a 4 ERA, most of the time it's like 160, you know, 170 innings or more. Uh, that has kind of varied a little bit, but generally speaking, you're getting solid volume uh, with low ERA number from Stroman. I think he's a fine, fine pick. Now, he is currently going, if I'm looking at just the ADP, uh, from the draft champions format, and again, some of you guys, maybe a good chunk of you are not familiar with what I'm talking about when I say draft champions, gladiators, whatever. Draft champions right now is probably the closest thing that we have to what regular kind of league ADP will look like. Gladiators kind of a weird format where there's weird strategies, and there's a couple of those different kinds of leagues right now where you can't read too much into the ADP, but draft champions is probably what you should be looking at if you're trying to get a good gauge on what draft rooms are going to start to look like over the next couple of months. But since December 1st, we are looking at a total of 27 completed drafts. Marcus Stroman is going as pick 282 on average. 
He has a range of 253 to 322 in that time frame. And I think at that point, it's a very solid value. You need to round out your rotation at that point with kind of reliable arms. And I think that Strowman is somebody that is going to be one of those reliable arm types. And he's not going to be flashy. He's not going to be a top 10 starting pitcher. He's probably not going to have those flashy, um, you know, massive stats. I mean, last year he did. The first half of the season, he was like in the Cy Young conversation. I don't expect that, but I think that he'll be a really solid stabilizer at the back end of your rotation. You only need to be drafting him as like your seventh or eighth, like you're literally your last pick probably in a 12-team league. I think at that point, it doesn't really hurt to take a chance on Stroman. I think that he could see some uh, success this year. Let's talk Shota Imanaga. I've been calling him Shoto Imanaga. I didn't even realize, so my apologies there. Um, he is coming over to the Chicago Cubs. He signed a four-year deal, $53 million dollars feels relatively cheap compared to what I think people were expecting. I guess maybe, I don't know. I'm not the greatest with gauging what guys are going to get from overseas and free agency in general. Thought he'd probably get a little bit more, but you got to consider the fact that he's already 30 years old. He's not some young guy like Yamamoto who's 25 or Sasaki who's going to come over in a couple years who's like 18 or 20 or something. Uh, He's already 30 years old. He does have a lot of innings under his belt at this point. He has, over his eight seasons, started, and the number is kind of weird the way Baseball Reference has it for the Japanese League, but he has 192 starts. From what I, from what I can understand here, uh, he has started 192 games over those eight seasons, and it's 1,100 innings pitched. So he, he does have a little bit of wear on him. Uh, you'd probably expect at that point. He's not some fresh young guy. So that's maybe why he's not getting uh, this massive kind of contract like you saw Yamamoto get and we'll probably see Sasaki get and a couple of other guys who will come over. Now, in terms of what you're getting, he has been a guy throughout his entire career who's posted solid, solid strikeout numbers. Uh, You know, if you look at the last couple of seasons, 2023 was 159 innings with 188 Ks. 2022, it was 158 innings with 151. Uh, 2021, it was 149 and 140. And the year prior, 170 and 186. He's always pretty, at least a strikeout per inning. And this past year, he was well above a strikeout per inning at 188 over uh, 159 innings pitched. I think, and if you're looking at the ERAs that he's produced over that time frame, uh, it's a 296 ERA for his career, 266 last year, 226 the year prior. He looks very solid. He looks like he is going to be, um, I don't know. I don't know how great he's going to be necessarily. And this is where it gets tricky. We don't see these guys pitch at all in Japan. Just it's, Unless you really seek it out over here in North America, you're not really going to be seeing a lot of footage of it. It's not covered on ESPN or whatever. If you're in Canada, then like TSN or any of those big stations, it's just not really readily available. So, I think he's good based on the stats that I'm seeing. I don't really know so, so much about him, and that's where I'd recommend seeking out more of those guys. Like Tim McLeod is uh, somebody who does a lot of fantasy baseball work who is really in tune with foreign players, with Japanese players, with Korean players. Uh, he is somebody that I would be seeking out You know, his opinion on these players and guys um, like that. It's, it's a tricky subject when guys do come over because you don't really know exactly what they are going to look like. The projections for him are pretty good. Uh, he's projected, and they're, they're more than pretty good, in all honesty. Because projections, when there's no baseline of play in North America, it's kind of tricky to, to figure out what that player's going to look like. But he's projected for an 18% strikeout minus walk rate, 24 on the K rate, 6% on the walk rate, roughly. That's really, really good. 121 whip, 
which is maybe a touch higher, but it's really fine. Like it's nothing, it's nothing crazy at all. It's about average at that point, better than average. Um, but in terms of like top end players, it's not necessarily a top end, but he's projected for a 383 ERA over 148 innings, which would be 26 starts according to what we are uh, seeing projected from steamer at this point. At that point, I mean, it's again, it's a complete guess game what a guy is going to look like when he's facing a completely different competition and a higher level of competition, too. We have no idea what he is going to look like. That being said, I'd probably take a chance just based on what the projections are showing us based on the track record that he does have in Japan. And, you know, I've used the argument like he not even the argument, but pointed out like he didn't get a lot of money because he is older, but we have more of a baseline of what to expect from him. It's not like he's had two great years in Japan. He's had six great years in Japan. So we have a little bit more to go off of, even if it's not perfect translating what it'll be compared to the PCL to Major League Baseball. But I still think that he's probably going to see you know a, a decent level of success this season. I don't know that he's going to be a league winner type or anything like that, but I think he'll be a very, very solid starting pitcher for you. Now, in terms of the price tag that you are paying for him, and it will probably go up because the signing is new and a lot of these drafts, like I've mentioned, are slow drafts. They take a little bit of time to complete. You don't get the ADP data loaded to the site until the draft is fully completed. But if you do look back from December 1st, which is well before he signed. The ADP is 223 with a minimum of 197 and a maximum of 254. Over the last couple of days, I don't know if there's anything that's been completed since uh, the most recent completed one was on the 10th, which was two days ago at the time of recording. He went 229. Uh, The highest he has gone in any draft is 109, which was on January 5th, which was still before he had signed. So, I could see him getting pushed up at least a couple of rounds. People always get excited when someone's name's in the news. When a player enters the pool, we haven't seen this guy before. It's always, you know, the hot new toy is always a little bit exciting to us in fantasy baseball, in real life baseball as well. And I could see him getting pushed up. That 223 ADP, I think that we're probably going to see that get closer to like 180, 190 by the time drafts are, are fully taking place. I don't really have a problem with that. Most of you guys are probably going to be 12 team players round, you know, where I expect him to go about 180. That's round 16 or so. Let's say there's a bit of a range. Let's say it's round 15 to round 17 kind of area out of probably 23 or so picks on your roster. Most of those guys are not going to pan out at that point. That's like the last seven or eight picks of your roster. There's a lot of churn there anyway, especially in those shallower formats. If you're playing in a Yahoo league where 270 players are drafted, there's going to be a lot of churn. I don't have a problem with taking a chance on a guy who does have really good upside and just showed us last year a big tick up in strikeouts, regardless of who the competition was against. I think that he's really good, and I think that I probably would be willing to invest in him while keeping my expectations in check and not expecting him to be you know, a Cy Young candidate, just expecting him to just be like your fifth or sixth best starting pitcher probably, and if things don't turn out, then I think the cost is low enough that it's not going to kill you to have to drop him and use that spot for a streamer or for a hot pickup. But at this point, I'm tentatively in on Shoto, uh, Shota Imanaga. The last bit of news to touch on today is kind of a strange one. I can't say that I was fully expecting it, not in terms of the signing, but in terms of what this team plans to do with the signing. That's Jordan Hicks. The San Francisco Giants signed Jordan Hicks to a four-year, 
$44 million contract. That's not really the surprising part here. From what I heard people say, uh, Eno Saris and a couple others, that's generally about what he was expected to get on the market. The weird thing is that they are going to try and use him as a starting pitcher. They are going to try and stretch him out to the point where he is able to I don't know if they want him to be a full-time starter in the rotation or if they just want to have the flexibility to use him if they need him, but it doesn't seem like a great idea. Now, according to Jeff Passan, he's expected to work as a starter after spending the majority of his career in the bullpen. So their plan right now might be, we'll try him as a full-time starter and we'll see how it works. He started eight games in 2022. It was not good. He had an ERA above five. He's somebody who struggles with control, and I don't think that that's something that we're you know you really want to see in a starting pitcher. You know, you, you know there are starting pitchers who struggle with control, but to the point of having consistent walk rates that are well above ten percent. It was thirteen point three percent last year, eleven point two percent this year. It's not something that I think is going to work in a starting pitcher type of role. It screams of desperation by the Giants. I don't know why they feel the need to do this. I guess they think it's too expensive to try and explore Montgomery or Snell, or maybe they don't want to go to San Francisco. But I think that this is a really, really strange move. They got Logan Webb. They have Stripling. They have Kyle Harrison. uh, They have Keaton Wynn. I don't know that they necessarily need to be doing this. They're going to have Alex Cobb coming back midseason. You're going to have Robbie Ray coming back midseason. So at that point, are you kicking out Stripling? You're probably kicking out Wynn. It just seems like it's an unnecessary move. Like it's it's He's a very, very good relief pitcher. We just saw him last year. Again, the walks are the only real problem, but he had a 329 ERA, very strong supporting metrics. He was a Blue Jay for part of the season. I got to see him up close and personal. He was excellent. He was really, really, really good for Toronto. And I think that he's best suited as that eighth, ninth inning guy. Now, things don't work out for him as a starter, which, you know, hint, hint, they won't. He's not going to work out as a starter. It's a bad plan. It's going to end up in an IL stint, and he'll be sent back to the bullpen. That's that's my prediction. That's what I think is going to end up happening here. Maybe it doesn't even need to be an IL stint. <clears throat> Excuse me. Maybe he just doesn't perform well, which is probably, I think, very, very likely. And he bet- gets put back in the pen. Uh, that That's probably what's going to happen. The problem with the signing here from a fantasy point of view is that he didn't go to a team to try and do this where there's kind of an iffy closer situation. And then if that was the case, I would have been very much in. If they had done this in, like, Oakland or something, or, you know, Colorado, maybe Colorado's not the greatest, but I don't know, a team that doesn't have Detroit or somewhere that doesn't have the greatest type of closer situation right now, I would be a lot more interested because that fallback potential could be that Hicks ends up as the closer. This thing doesn't work out as a starter. They put him in the eighth. He ends up taking over the closer role. It's something I could have seen happening on certain teams if they tried this, but... San Francisco has Camilo Duvall. Camilo Duvall is one of the top five or seven closers in fantasy. He proved that to us this past season. He was dominant. So unless Duvall is absolutely terrible, I don't see Hicks taking over that role. This to, For Hicks to take over the closer role and to give us real true value for fantasy this year, so many different things have to happen. And I just don't really think he's going to be worth an investment in most leagues. His ADP right now, 313 pretty much 314 with a minimum of 251 maximum of 422 
I debated taking him in a draft the other night, and I'm glad I didn't. You know, if I had taken him in that draft thinking maybe he ends up as a closer, maybe he can give me some saves, I would have been really disappointed because at this point, I'd be very surprised if he gets more than maybe two or three saves barring an injury to Doval. But be sure that he is not going to be a starting pitcher for long. This is something that I don't even know if it'll last beyond spring training. I just think it's kind of a poor decision. But that's kind of where I am on Jordan Hicks. If you're in a save plus hold league, then I could see him having some value. ADP will be a little bit different in those type of leagues. It really depends on where he ends up falling. At this point, I have no idea where that would be in those type of formats. We'll just have to see uh, when those sites do open up their boards. But that'll do it. That'll pretty much do it for us today. Those are the three big things I did want to touch on. Do want to remind you guys again to go check us out over on YouTube. That is a big place that I'm going to be trying to push you guys to Sports Ethos on YouTube. I'm going to be doing some live shows over there, and we'll be posting some videos after the fact as well. Different podcasts, different videos, different uh, mock drafts, tons of different things. And we are probably going to be doing a mock draft live on YouTube and probably on Twitter as well on Monday. So make sure you guys are checking us out over there. That's Joe Orico 99 over on the Twitter ethos fantasy BB on, uh, also on, I was about to say on YouTube, that one's also on Twitter. That's where we post all of our podcasts, our articles, any news, any, any updates at all we have on the baseball side. That is where we share them out. And of course, sportsethos.com. Get everything right from the source. But that'll do it, guys. Have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday. And we have some more team previews next week as well. So be on the lookout for those. We're probably going to be doing the Red Sox and the Cincinnati Reds. Might get another one in there as well. But until then, guys, take care. Have a great night. Cheers. So, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.